week six of our rhythm series, um, and I want to jump straight in today. Uh, we're looking at rhythms of love, rhythms of love, and I want to talk about a church in the New Testament um, that the Apostle Paul said inspired him. But equally, this church it blows me away, inspires me, um, and so we're going to look at it together. So First Thessalonians one. Uh, verses 1 to 10. So 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 1 to 10. It says, it's Paul, Silas and Timothy. This is a letter that was written to that church. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for you, for all, for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted, which means motivated or stirred, by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. Let, let me stop there because I love that so much. It, it doesn't say we lived among you uh, for God's sake. It doesn't say we lived among you to keep God happy. Uh, it actually says we lived among you for your sake. It's to represent Jesus. That's 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 why we live among people is to represent God. You know, God is so intentional. You read the Bible, we see it so clearly. God is so intentional. Think about it. He created the universe with intentionality. That thing works like clockwork. It was so intentional. So if God was intentional with his creation, then don't you think that he would be intentional with the crown of his creation? That's me and you. That's us. We were intended by God. And maybe maybe your parents didn't intend you. There was an intentionality in you, but God was so intentional. He crafted us. And this is where we can miss it, is that we were made with intention, but often we don't live intentionally. And, you know, you know, you're intentional in your life. And maybe you're like, well, how do I know if I'm intentional? Well, you know, you're intentional when you become a good steward of moments. You know, that random conversation that you have with somebody in the coffee shop or that mundane moment or that mundane task that you're doing or that coincidence that happens in your life. Suddenly you transform them into something. They become intentional. That's living life on purpose. That's living life with intention. We live among people for their sake. We don't, we don't live among people for our sake or we don't live among people for God's sake. We actually live among people for their sake so that they will encounter an unchanging love. And we, we have to stop just preaching it and start living it. Uh, in verse six, it says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit so imitators of Jesus these people were imitators of God they imitated Jesus you know when my children grow up I don't need to keep preaching to them to be like Jesus I don't need to keep saying to my son Eli you need to be like Jesus Ava you need to be like Jesus as you grow up because if I'm really imitating Christ if I'm imitating God, then if they imitate me, their father, then it should be the same. I don't need to put the pressure on them. 
I don't need to put the pressure on them. I just need to be an example. You just need to be an example. So let me ask you a challenging question. If someone was to imitate you, would they look more like Christ or more like you? And I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Are we truly being that image of love that Jesus is? Are we imitating Christ in our life like this church is? Remember, I'm just talking about this church. I'm just talking about what Paul said about this church. And in verse 7 it says, and so, continue the letter, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This letter is out of this world. Do you understand how amazing this is? Look, they're in the capital of Macedonia. It's an influential, very wealthy area. And Paul plants a church that scholars say when this letter was written, it was a few months old. So it's a few months old, this church is going, and still they are in the middle of what it seems to be a revival, a move of God, whilst facing persecution. So like, they're in the middle of deep persecution. You know, if we were to worship God, and soon we got our in-person service, we can worship God, we can worship with our eyes open if we want to. Back then, they, they had to worship with their eyes open, because at any moment, they could be stormed and persecution would happen. But still, this letter was written showing the amazing work that this church was doing, the influence that they had, the example that they were of Christ. You know, Paul said it in his description of this church. He says, power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So in other words, this was a spirit-filled church that was grounded by conviction. And do you realize that the same Holy Spirit that was in the church there in, in Thessalonica, Thess, Thess, the Thessalonian church, the same Holy Spirit that was there, is the same Holy Spirit that we have in our church today. And that same Holy Spirit helps us, leads us, guides us, and shapes us. We need the Holy Spirit. Here's the reason why we absolutely, categorically need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this call to love is bigger than a general capacity to love. This call that God has given us as believers to love is bigger than just the generic call to love. Because the foundation of Christianity, the example that Jesus set, is to love regardless. To love regardless. That, that is a supernatural concept. Why is that supernatural? Why? Because our humanity teaches us to love regarding. That we love regarding somebody's race. We love regarding their education. We love regarding their story, regarding their history, regarding what they look like, regarding where they've been, regarding the amount of money in their bank account. And suddenly love is dictated by all of these different things when that is not the gospel. That's not Jesus. Jesus teaches us as believers to love regardless. But to do that, we need the Holy Spirit. You know, I, was, uh, I watched this documentary and um, let me know if you're a documentary kind of person. Uh, let me know the last documentary that you watched. Because I love documentaries. And I watched this documentary and it was all about um, how food is made and what's in stuff. What's in food and what's, what's in food. This documentary, there was so much in it. But there was two specific things 
that, that really kind of rocked me. The first one was milk. Uh, it was talking about milk and, you know, cow's milk and with regulations, how much, uh, what goes into cow's milk that we drink, that's in our coffees. Maybe even right now you're holding a coffee with cow's milk. This is what well, the documentary said. I'm not saying it. The documentary said it. In this cow's milk, that there is pus that is allowed to stay in that cow's milk. Yeah, that's right. You're stirring. You're stirring that coffee right now, aren't you? The amount that's allowed to stay in the milk. There is there is pus in the milk. And and don't even don't even let me get onto what's in hot dogs. Like I used to love a good hot dog. I go to IKEA. I went to IKEA. Demi would go because she loved the furniture. I would go for the meatballs and the hot dogs on the way out. Can I get an amen? Right? That is what we went for until I watched this documentary and I realized what goes into hot dogs. And so I made a decision. I don't drink milk anymore from a cow. <laughs> you got me either off milk or I'm drinking milks from an almond. I don't even know how that's possible, but we do it. <laughs> but then equally, I stay away from the hot dogs. But isn't it funny that when you find out what's in something, you want to stay away from it? And often that happens with people. We get close to people, we find out what's in them, and it's like watching a hot dog or milk, and we want to stay away. We're like, I love you less because I know what's in you, but it's so important that we as believers, as the church, have a capacity to find out what's in someone and still love them regardless. You know, an evidence, a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, is that they can see what's in someone and still want to be around them. And this is happening in the Thessalonian church. Because here's the truth, the gospel spreads by this. Look, I think the best news is that Jesus died for me. But even better news than that is Romans 5.8, that he did it while I was still a sinner. That he died for me. While he knew what was in me. While he saw the, 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 the what's in milk and he saw the hot dog that was in me once he saw my addictions he saw my prejudices he still chose to die for me when I wouldn't live for him this means the love is real and because he wants to love the real you and we need to have this capacity a rhythm in our life of loving the real in people regardless of what they're like loving the real because the truth is when you truly realize how loved by God you are do you realize that God loves the real you, who you are? Not who you maybe pretend to be or who you want to be. No, who you are. Whatever mistake you've made, or not even every mistake, even if you've done everything by the book, God still loves you wholeheartedly and can't actually love you any more than he already does right now. He has no capacity to love you anymore because you already have 100% of his love. You can't change it, you can't earn it, you can't do anything to build it. That love is 100% on the table from God. And when you realize that love that God has for you, you will quickly stop trying to be loved by everybody else. Very quickly stop trying to be everything to everyone else and receive the love from God. But out of that, then have a capacity now to be love to everybody else. And so today I wanna to talk about three things. Because for me, these, these three things are out of this letter to the church, the Thessalonian church. And this is the kind of church that I want to be a part of. This is the kind of church I want to raise my children in. 
And number one, the first thing that Paul says that inspired him is that it was their work produced by faith. Their work produced by faith. And this is where we can go wrong so often is that our work, our work for others is produced by fear. Like I, I have to do this or insert the, the, the word. I have to do this. I, I don't want to be forgotten or I'm doing it to appease God, to make God happy or my work is produced by insecurities. I'm trying to impress or it's produced by gain. What I can get out of this. Instead, what they were doing as a church, how they impacted so many people in the region and saw so many people come to Jesus was that their work was produced and assembled by their faith in God. Not their faith in a vision, not their faith in an organization. It was their faith in God. See, I am not here today I'm not leading this church today because of man's ask. I'm here today selling everything out for God because of God's call. And we all have to get to that place where we say, my work is produced by my faith. It's not produced by others. And that's when we will start to see the revival that God wants to see in the UK and the world around us. Number two, the second thing that we see is their labor prompted by love. You know, work and labor aren't the same. It's not the same thing. Work and labor. Work is something you do, but labor means something that you toil over to the point of exhaustion. Like you do, it's like deep fatigue. I'm putting every, and, and, and so it says their labor that was prompted by love. In other words, I'm putting everything in to love. And I'm tired. <laughs> it's that kind of love. It's that love where it's like, I'm loving so much. Like I literally, every opportunity to love, I'm taking it to the point that I am fatigued. I'm tired. I need to be refreshed by God. That's what this church is doing. And that's the kind of love that I want to be, a church I want to be a part of, where people are loving people so much that they're, they're tired from it. Like people are saying, look, Daryl, I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I just need a minute because I've had this, my neighbor, I've just been, we've been constantly, we're just, we're just loving on them. We're doing whatever they need and we're just supporting them and they're getting closer to Jesus and whew, we're going to take a holiday because can you imagine the impact that would happen if the whole community of people began to respond like that? You know, it makes you think a lot about a guy called Stephen. He was, uh, he was in the book of Acts, in Acts 6, and he had a labor of love. He loved his community actually to death. Uh, he was the first martyr in scripture. And Paul, who used to be called Saul, saw this kind of love firsthand because he was actually there before he was a Christian. So Paul, before he was a Christian. And in Acts 7 verse 54, it says this, and we read the story about Stephen. It says, when the members of the Sanhedrin, which was basically the court at the time, heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. Basically, he was being a Christian. He was loving his community and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. But Stephen, full of what? The Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. See, he was there. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed. Watch this. Look at this prayer. Whilst they're stoning him, he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. 
Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, doesn't say he died. What does it say? He fell asleep. He, he fell asleep. This was a spirit-filled believer stoned for loving people no matter what. You know, in the, in the New Testament, there's only actually two stonings that we read about. First one's in John 8. There's a woman who was caught in adultery. She cheated on her husband. And the religious people wanted to stone her for her wrongs. And Jesus stoops down, writes in the ground, and defends her. You might have heard that story. Let me know if you've heard that story before. And she, she got out of the stoning. She actually survived. She got to walk away. But Stephen didn't. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen was loving people for God. But still, how comes the woman who was caught in adultery, she gets saved, but Stephen, he didn't get out of the stoning. She did. And, and some of us, some of us, we, we're, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're asking Jesus to stoop down and write in the ground in our stoning. When people, when we're loving people, and people are turning us away, or when people are just rejecting us, or when we're experiencing stoning for our faith, what we believe, uh, you know, what we're, what we're walking through, and suddenly we feel that people are against us. But we have to come to this place of trust. That I don't need Jesus to stoop down in the dirt with me when people throw stones at me, when I'm standing for God, when they disagree with me, when they don't believe. But instead, I can see him standing like we saw with Stephen. It says in heaven he was standing, he was watching. I can see him standing when I'm loving because of this fact. He has already stooped down for you. When he died on the cross, he stooped down for me and for you. Just imagine, like, if you were Stephen, he knows how this works. You know, he was John 8. He was a man filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And she's a cheat. Jesus will tell them to drop their stones. Jesus, how come you didn't show up for me? What, 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 what about me? With Stephen, Stephen was an example of how to show labor prompted by love. Love that will reach to the end of itself to communicate the very heart of God. And that is the church that I want to be a part of. Let me know if you want to be a part of a community like that. And number three, the last one, an endurance inspired by hope. Their ability to keep going. It was in, they were inspired by hope. That word hope means a certain expectation that won't be put to shame. It's an endurance inspired by their certain expectation in Jesus. And, and this, this is how we can endure the cold shoulder or fatigue or the unanswered text messages or, you know, the, the Facebook comments where people are like, you're at church. What are you doing? Are you reading the Bible? Why are you doing that? See, my, my hope is not in what happens ahead, but what, in what has already happened because of Jesus, what he did. So, of course, I can endure. And this is such a powerful example for us as a church. But how can... All of these things happen in this church. How did they do it? Their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, and their endurance inspired by hope. Well, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, three things will last forever. What? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In other words, love is the glue because God is love. So how can they love no matter what? Well, Paul makes it clear. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Take the pressure off for a minute. I know you, maybe you were watching this message. You're like, whoo, 
Wow, that's far from what I've been doing. Look, it's by the help of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the Holy Spirit comes on you to be a witness. It doesn't come on you so you, you get goosebump feelings or just so you kind of see things for yourself or you start to become this fortune teller. No, no, the Holy Spirit comes on you to be a witness. And there's a lot of people who are okay to be a witness as long as they stay in the witness protection program. It's like, God, I'll be a witness as long as you look after me. As long as nothing bad happens to me. As long as my finances aren't affected. As long as things don't change. You know, the word witness in the Greek, it literally means martyrs, martyrs. Uh, it's the same root word for martyr. So Stephen was a witness before his death and after his death. We're called to be martyrs. Not saying, oh, we're called to just lose our lives. No, no, no. To be a witness. To have that kind of love that we like. I don't care. Whatever it takes, I want to communicate the love of God. They were witnesses in this church. Not theologians, not preachers. They were a witness. That was their first and foremost, foremost role. You know, in the 1950s, there was a, a famous evangelist. His name is David Wilkerson. And David Wilkerson, um, just incredible man of God. There was a gang member called Nicky Cruz in New York. And you may have heard of Nicky Cruz. He wrote a book called Run Baby Run, his story. And David Wilkerson, he would continually go into the slums where Nicky Cruz was in the middle of the gangs. And David Wilkerson would go in and he'd tell him, Jesus loves you. Continually, Jesus loves you. And they'd beat him up, literally beat him up kick him out but he went back and went back and went back and went back to the point where Nicky Cruz said I'm done with you we need this guy to just this this is it we're gonna we're gonna end this guy and so Nicky Cruz takes out his flip knife and he holds the flip blade to David Wilkerson's throat and he says to him I'm gonna kill you for what you keep doing you keep telling me about the love of God and David Wilkerson made this famous line he said you can cut me up into a million pieces but each piece will still tell you that God loves you you and Nicky Cruz had a radical conversion from that moment he got saved and and has now seen tens of thousands of people more than that with his books impacted all around the world millions have been reached through his story but this this this, this legacy of love started with David Wilkerson Nicky Cruz gets saved Nicky Cruz then in the 2000 early 2000s has a crusade in in the UK in London at this event and in London at this event in walks a punk rocker by the name of Julian Melfi he walks into this event as a punk rocker he was broken he was hurt he was lost he hears the message of love from Nicky Cruz he decides to follow Jesus Julian Melfi then plants a church this same church that a broken hurt drug dealer named Daryl Stephen when he was 15 years old walks into this church and has a radical conversion, hears the story of love from Jesus and decides to follow Jesus. And this same guy called Daryl Stephen is now here with you today sharing this legacy of love. You see the power of love, the power of the legacy of loving no matter what that is, the legacy. I wonder what your legacy is. And I'm so excited to hear of your legacy of love.
because this legacy of love that points people to God and it has no end. It continues and continues and continues. See, a good witness is not someone who heard something, but someone who's seen something and says, I've seen Jesus. I've seen him love me. I've seen him see the worst in me, the unlovable parts of me, but I've seen him restore me. I've seen him encourage me. And because of that, I need others to see that. I need others. I don't care what the repercussions are. I want to be a witness. I want to be a witness. You know, there was one moment for me that just was revolutionary. You know, I was, I was a drug dealer. I was broken from the age of 13 uh, to the age of 15. I spiraled and I, I got arrested. And at the age of 15, I was arrested. I was in a, I was in a, I was in a holding cell. And I remember being in this holding cell and still thinking, this is my life. This is what it's going to be like. And one police officer opened up to my cell door. This was in London. Opened up my cell door and left the door open. I thought this was a trick. So I left the door. After a while, I got curious, poked my head out. And there was one police officer, no one else around. And he was sitting on a chair, had a chair next to him. He patted on it and said, come and sit down. This same officer, I sat down next to him, uncuffed. He gave me a drink of Coke and began to speak life. Started to tell me how loved I am by God. Started to tell me that God's for me. He's not against me. And that I could do incredible things through him. And it was that moment that I realized, wow, this is, this is bigger than me. This police officer could have been arrested for what he did. And he put me back, could have been fired for what he did. And he put me back into my cell. Get back into my cell. And many years later, when I was a youth pastor, I, got, I, got, I bumped into him again. I saw this same police officer. I got to talk to him and he was saying he was... I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor now. You know, my life's been turned around. Thank you so much. You were one of the first people to share the story of love. You could have lost your job. And he said to me, Daryl, he crying when he saw me. He was so excited about this legacy of love. And he said, Daryl, I, I, I made a decision when I followed Jesus. I'm going to love no matter what. And I wonder if you'd made that same decision today. That regardless of where I am, regardless of who they are, I'm going to love no matter what. No matter the story. And here today, maybe you're watching, and I want you to know this. If Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you don't follow Jesus. This is all new to you. You are so loved by God. You are watching this intentionally today. God wants to know you. He wants to connect with you. So if you're watching and you're saying, Daryl, that's me. I want to receive this love. I want to just, I'm, I'm done with running. <laughs> I'm done with hiding. Today, I want to accept his love. I'm going to pray a prayer. And all I want you to do is just pray Repeat the prayer after me. And this is you just making a decision that today it starts anew with God. So if that's you, I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to pray this after me. Say, Jesus, today I choose to follow you.